We've got great pride and respect for the rich history of academic and athletic excellence uh, in our conference. I have milked a cow before, and I have been milked. Down on the West Coast, they got a saying. Which is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. I believe that's true. I want to fight somebody. I mean, I want to fight somebody right now. There was a wizard in the stands and some magic on the floor. Jim Herrick and UCLA can hang a banner in Westwood. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. So, you know, it's pretty amazing because less than 24 hours after a pretty emotional time for especially us Arizona fans and a real appreciation for winning the conference tournament and everything that the Pac-12 means to us. And um, come bracket reveal, the Pac-12 really does not mean much to anyone else. Um, really tough draw for the entire conference. I was a little surprised that USC got left out as far back as they did, although we'll talk about kind of their dearth of resume wins but Adam I think you had a great point right off the bat uh between what happened between now and a month ago when the mock brackets came out why don't you elaborate well I'd love to but it is a stolen point from Cody so Cody why don't you tell us about Arizona's 8-1 record since a certain NCAA reveal show yeah so you know we had this reveal show a couple weeks ago and Arizona is in as a four seed. They're the fifteenth seed on the line. The, you know, on the reveal of the top sixteen teams. Cody, and wait, can I? Sorry, just to interrupt. Little point. They also revealed that right after Arizona lost to UCLA. So not only is Arizona firmly on the four line at this time, they also just are coming off a loss. So they, I mean. They, uh, Presuming they are firmly on the four. My apologies for interrupting. No, no, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you would assume they're firmly on the four line at that point. They're 15 out of 16 teams. Um, and then they proceed to go 8-1 and one with the one loss coming on the road without Alonzo Trier, without Sean Miller, uh, during that kind of week of hell for Arizona basketball. Um, came home, uh, sealed the conference title, and ran through the Pac-12 tournament uh, pretty much unstoppable, you know, in Vegas this week. And uh, they actually dropped the spot in the committee's eyes. Uh, when you have a lot of other teams that were taking bad losses ahead of them, uh, not moving down, you have Gonzaga who played, you know, didn't lose, but played a much more terrible schedule. Um, so th- there's a lot of stuff in there that, that have wrong and for Arizona to drop after going eight and one is kind of a uh, interesting we'll call it and so I might take us one step back before we get too deep into this rabbit hole and say that was quite an impressive run by Arizona through the Pac-12 tournament it was their best three consecutive games of the season even if they may have been a Raleigh Hawkins travel away from from dropping that because that was a pretty decent look for Aaron Holiday um all that said, Aaron Holiday, 5 of 20 in that ball game, 
And what Parker Jackson Cartwright did in the Pac-12 tournament has me absolutely believing that Arizona, with the best player in the country, is playing as well as anybody out there. Uh, so I feel very optimistic. And so I guess that's why it's even more of a gut punch to get relegated all the way down to the 16th, uh, to the to the fourth four seed. Um, Spence, your takes. Um, well, as I've, I've kind of made it, maybe it was my absence, physical absence from the Pac-12 tournament, but I'm not as um, kind of star-eyed about the Cats as I was last year and in kind of some of the previous years, some of the TJ McConnell years, where I was like, we are going into the Final Four. We are knocking that door down. Um, but if this team does, in fact, has, in fact, seriously learned how to play defense, I mean, they've always been a team... We always know, always know they've been one of the most talented teams in the country. When the offense is clicking, there's not many other teams that can compete with that. Uh, it hasn't been super consistent on offense, although they've kind of just figured out DeAndre, DeAndre, DeAndre. We don't need to have five guys working together. This isn't Warriors basketball. Um, but if you can get the defensive end as tight as it was this weekend, then you don't have to be perfect or even exceptional on the offensive end to win games in March. So that's very encouraging. Um, with that said, I mean, they've already called the South the group of death, although, and granted, I haven't watched as much SEC basketball. I was just out of the country for two weeks, but I don't feel like, I feel like Kentucky is not a terrible draw for a second round matchup, which is really the round I'm super concerned about. Uh, maybe you guys can go into further about the, the road that lies ahead. I mean, I saw the bracket come out and I immediately started looking into this and I candidly, um, and this, by the way, is, is a is a Pac-12 podcast, so maybe we'll get to somebody else in the conference because USC got jobbed, as we might have been uh, alluding to. UCLA is content, evidently, with getting you know eleven seeds, even though they had two upperclassmen and three five stars coming in. Uh, but that's just what they do now under Steve Alford. Um, and then you've got an ASU team, which wasn't even the last team in, based off of the Davidson thing. Um, they are a fascinating little case study. Uh, so that's just a little hat tip to the rest of the rest of the pack. But um, Buffalo's probably pretty good. I don't know much about them. Cody, can, have you have you dug into the to the um, the little school upstate New York? Yeah, they're, uh, they're small. Okay, <laughs> that, that's that, I mean that's the first thing that kind of stands out to me. They're starting five. Uh, their center and their starting five is six eight. So not a whole lot of height. Uh, you assume. Arizona goes to Aiton and Ristic early uh, and, and rides them. Uh, I kind of wanted to hit back on a point that Spencer talked about a few minutes ago with uh, Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, you know, we, we've seen Arizona in this position a couple times in the last couple years, and it's always kind of been a, a hit and miss kind of thing with, you know, they're, they're playing okay, but they're not playing, you know, great. Um, I think Arizona, at least in Vegas, had the two most important players to the team playing the best basketball they played all season, and that is DeAndre Ayton and Parker Jackson Cartwright. Um, I think that makes them a dangerous team going forward because honestly, if Parker's playing well and DeAndre's playing well, there there there's not a whole lot of teams in in the country that are going to be able to stack up against that. I I totally agree. One of my favorite things about this Pac-12 tournament was you got those two guys going, but then you go back to the Colorado game where Aiton played pretty darn terribly, and Arizona was carried 
by its other star in Alonzo Trier. So again, going back to like so many different ways and things to be optimistic about, and that that little point right there is one that is has me very optimistic about a potential Virginia matchup. But I'll continue to slow us down a little bit. I'm sorry, I keep jumping ahead. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, yeah, Buffalo is a team that, that they shoot pretty well. Um, they've got they've got a decent offense, nowhere near as good as Arizona's offense, but uh, they do it with um, field goal percentage. They, you know, they're hitting, I think, Kim Hum has them at like 54% on the season of effective field goal percentage. Um, they don't turn the ball over very often. They're, uh, they're, they're pretty good in terms of the offense. Their defense, they primarily play man. So, you know, playing against big guys like Ristich and Aiden um, is going to be uh, interesting for them. Uh, when you look at some of their non-conference games, Previously, um, lost by six to Cincinnati, lost by 11 to St. Bonaventure. Syracuse was a seven-point loss. Um, not a whole lot of big wins again on their schedule, um, but it, it's just one of those things where you know they get hot from three, then you're gonna take your lumps. Um, what about the rest of the draw? And honestly, I don't even know who the one seed in that bracket is because I just got home from work. Uh, it looks Virginia. Like... Oh, fun, 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 fun. And Cincinnati. So, just so, mentioned... Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So, so a little before that, you get to remember. Um, the first weekend is gonna be the pod, the Arizona's pod weekend with. So Arizona and Buffalo, and on the other side, you've got Kentucky and Davidson, which is a very intriguing matchup. You know, right there. Uh, Davidson is a team that I think Arizona could see on Saturday if they advance. Let's go! So many Spencer, you said something about it being the bracket of death. It's really the bracket of Wildcats. That's three Wildcats in one pod. Like, what is Buffalo doesn't even have a chance. That said, maybe they're going to be the one that rises to the top. We all learn that the Wildcat as an inanimate object is really. Just a really, really crummy mascot. Maybe that'll be the takeaway from our pod. Yeah, I mean, both in terms of um, originality and in terms of actual predatory prowess within the animal kingdom, it's hard to tell whether or not Buffalo would have an advantage here, but it's a fun it's a fun little storyline. One thing that we did talk about a little bit before is how much do you think travel is going to affect Kentucky and Davidson um, and Buffalo in this pod? Because it's... I- it's not an I easy think it's really to hard to, to quantify. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's not geographically optimal as much as the committee likes to say they do. And, and poor committee, they just get shit on for everything at this time it's of year. It's a thankless but job. It's a thankless job, but um, like this this Boise pod, and I know that like these things are determined actually years two to three to four years in advance. Um, is just not geographically favorable to anybody. Um, Gonzaga. Yeah, right. And Gonzaga's going to San Diego, and so I guess uh, Gonzaga's, nice in, to get a Gonzaga's in Boise. Oh, Gonzaga is in Boise. Ah, oh, see, so that's great. So, what school on the West Coast gets to go to San Diego this weekend? Um. Okay, Clemson, New Mexico State, Auburn, Charleston, West Virginia, Wichita State, Murray State, Marshall. Nobody. So not even UCLA. Great. Um. That, and that, that was one of the things that I thought was really really kind of uh, broken about about that pod was you know Arizona could just as easily have gone to San Diego 
Um, and, and you know, you want to talk about FBI conspiracy or, or what have you? I do. Arizona not going to conspiracy. Arizona not going to San Diego is uh, is pretty glaring when you consider that the top four seeds uh, in each bracket are theoretically supposed to be protected and get the closest locate closest available location. Uh, yeah, and I think that a lot of those decisions are guided by rules that I will never bother to look up or understand. So um, question, to answer the question from earlier, Spencer, I don't think we'll really understand how much um, travel affects him because at the end of the day, the pot is set up for Arizona to advance as the seed in there. Um, so it's kind of binary, right? Like. Uh, no, it didn't affect anybody, or yes, it totally affected them, or no, sure. it didn't affect anyone because what we thought was going to happen happened. So uh, it's really tough to say, um, you know. But it's not; it doesn't help anybody. And Calipari was all over Sports Center, pretty hilariously um, uh, trashing their their being shipped out to uh, being shipped out to um, Boise. He was actually really funny. I really i I don't know how popular opinion it is, but I really like John Calipari. Um, let's talk about Kentucky real quick. Uh, and one of the first text threads I was on when the field was announced was I didn't really think that I didn't think that they're that scary, but they are um, seven and one in their last eight with wins uh, over Tennessee and Arkansas on the road, along with their tournament champion. They're yeah. tournament champion, just like Arizona, just like Virginia. It's brutal. Yeah, it's tough, but I still feel like this is a this is a more vulnerable Kentucky team than even some of the more vulnerable ones from years past that had talented inexperience. Um, but I really just the, until just recently they didn't have a ton to hang their hat on in the season. Um, when you look at you, we talked about earlier this week the possibility of Gonzaga and Arizona being in the same pod in the West. Um, I think this is a more favorable look, and I know that I've already self-proclaimed my, uh, myself as like a non-talking-about-the-draw guy, but uh, I think this is a decent second-round matchup compared to some of the possibilities that were out there. What are your thoughts, Cody? Spent, or excuse me, Cody, go ahead. Well, when you look at the other five seeds uh, that you got, um, let's see, West Virginia, which would have been a nightmare for Arizona. Yeah, I didn't want that. Um, you got Clemson, who probably would Clemson or Ohio State probably would have been more favorable. Uh, I I would think. I would have liked uh, Ohio so, State for sure. So I think Arizona got the not, not the worst team available, but definitely not teams that it would handle better. I guess uh, I think Arizona matches up pretty well with Kentucky as long as Parker is playing well. Um, if Parker and Raleigh are, you know, kind of doing what, whatever Raleigh was doing the first half of the Oregon uh, USC game, um, then Arizona's in some trouble no matter who they're playing. But uh, as long as you, you know, you have good good guard play, I think Kentucky is uh, a good matchup for Arizona. Agreed. I think one thing that always, and I talk about this a lot with 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 my friends too, I got other friends too, guys. Um, is I, I just don't ever want to see lottery picks in the NCAA tournament. I never want to see guys that are extremely talented. Um, it's it's always a lot more frightening than playing a system. Um, 
but it'd be, yeah, it's just, this is a very young Kentucky team. Uh, John Calipari will belabor that point. Um, and they're actually looking at the same sort of thing as this Arizona team where it's like they came together late. Are they more the team that we've seen over the last two weeks or are they more the team that we saw for the previous two months? Um, and that's a really hard question to understand. I tried to look at defensive uh, efficiencies for both teams um, over their loose winning streaks of the past couple um, uh, the last couple weeks. Um, both, as you might imagine, both came in a little bit below their season average. One thing, though, that's really interesting when you're looking at the, at the numbers, um, a lot of adjustments have gone into the Ken Palm adjusted D. They go from uh, a 96 defensive rating Kentucky does to um, about 100 uh, or 101 in their raw defensive uh, efficiency, which is a pretty darn big leap, which also goes to show uh, a lot of people thought very highly, if not just the math, uh, very highly of the SEC this year as well. So um, take that for what it's worth, but also su- suggest that it is a pretty darn tough matchup when you consider uh, Kentucky um, did just win the SEC uh, conference tournament. But, and a good SEC uh, conference for the first time in a while, deep in a competitive conference. Um, are you all done there, Adam? Yes. Okay, because I will butt heads with you on this one thing, is that while it's terrifying to see lottery talent, I think it's more terrifying, especially for a team with lottery talent, to play against a team with a lot of continuity. Um, we've seen mid-majors who have a bunch of guys that have played together for four years kind of do a 2000... Uh, whatever that Olympics was where the U.S. lost, where you know teams with continuity who have played together, who really feel each other and have experience and have gone through hardships together, um, you know, they can sometimes have that it factor in March because they've worked so hard for it. Can you talk about how I, young – go ahead. There's, I was just going to say, there, the, the best part about the NCAA tournament, kind of debating matchups and whether you want to play the cohesive unit or the individual talent or this, that, or the other – we can find an anecdote to support every possible case. Each one. Um, which is kind of awesome. Guard play, post play, three-point shooting, free throw shooting. There is defense. everything you got. But yeah, so, this is so one of my want... favorite ones. But look, real quick, before you guys uh, continue on that, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go through the experience on this roster. I'm just going down their roster right now. Freshman, sophomore, junior, redshirt, freshman, sophomore, freshman, freshman, sophomore, freshman, Redshirt junior, freshman, 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 redshirt sophomore. Um, that's crazy, like, even for Kentucky. Um, and, and I don't think many of those upperclassmen see a lot of time on the field. So to me, that's more inspiring than it is uh, a point of concern because you know all those freshmen are talented. Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit wide-eyed and, and the, you know, the scene might get to them a little more than a guy like Dusan and Parker – who have won three tournament and regular season championships and still have a big elephant in the room, which is no Final Four appearances. That is all. So if you want to take something fun and uh, positive away of Arizona's death bracket... Positivity! Uh, Let's get it. You know, you look, at, you look at Davidson and Kentucky, that's certainly a game where I, I think... It's going to be a lot closer than you know, everyone's kind of pegged the Arizona Kentucky matchup. 
Um, in my bracket that I filled out right afterwards, my first instinct was to go Arizona Davidson, which you know I'm sure Arizona fans would love to see. <laughs> watch um, it yes. be Watch it be Davidson Buffalo. But, <laughs> hey, that happens. I pick a thirteen twelve every year in my bracket. I've never won a bracket final contest, by the way, but I make sure I pick one every year. Ah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I try to pick as much as I can. I think I've won, I think I've won a, one bracket pool, um, you know, in the last, each of the last three or four years. Jeez, um, okay. But, yeah. Uh, but one thing to consider is Virginia's history with uh, one seeds, Virginia's history just in the tournament altogether uh, with Tony Bennett as the coach. In the last four years, they've been a one seed twice, a two seed once, and a five seed. Um, and they've only made it past the Sweet 16 once. Uh, and that was two years ago. They beat Iowa State, I believe, to get to the Elite Eight and then lost to the 10th ten, the seed Syracuse team that went on whatever incredible run they had. Um, they're not a team that's built for the tournament at all because they're a team that is built to wear you down. And when you're playing one game at a time, you know, that's not a a real measure for success for them. Yeah, Uh, everybody slows down a little bit in the tournament. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they're they're a team that, if you're looking at a one seed that is vulnerable come March, it's Virginia. I I also point out something Sean Miller said. I mean, there's, there's... we talked about anecdotes. There's, there is no anecdote of Virginia making it to the Final Four, so it's easy to say. It's also the same thing you can say about Sean Miller, right? Um, that said, one of the things Sean Miller recently said that, and I, I don't know the exact quote. This is this is paraphrasing and secondhand something that should be very familiar to us as Arizona fans. But um, anybody, you guys get that? Schlebach reference. I'm not sure if I was listening enough. I'm 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 on the computer. I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate the stats for my next comment. Sorry. Oh, well, it was a it was a fantastic Schleybach uh, dig. I'll catch uh, it on the re-listen for Miller, sure. But Miller said uh, that he has some phenomenal possession players, and Virginia forces you to play very possession uh, focused basketball. As silly as a line of that is, but um, at the end of the day, if you need a bucket, you've got three guys that are extraordinarily uh, gifted at just getting a basket, most notably um, DeAndre Ayton in that mid-range. What he did when forced to be in the mid-range against UCLA was like unbelievable. Like How many different NBA GMs just salivated at that? I know what he can do offensively. It's just, it was incredible. So I'm, I, for one, would be fascinated to see a Virginia-Arizona matchup, especially when you go back and you look at the Duke Virginia game and Bagley and Wendell Carter combined for 49 points and 29, no, 44 points and 29 rebounds. I could definitely see something like that transpiring for Dusan uh, and, and DeAndre and maybe not at those levels, but certainly a very high output game for those two. And then you consider the supporting cast uh, for Duke. They went one of eight from three, which is something that Virginia forced you to do a ton of. So I imagine between Parker Jackson, Cartwright, uh, Raleigh Alkins, and uh, Alonzo Trier, maybe they can muster up a little bit more uh, than Duke supporting staff. As it were right now, I don't have a ton of confidence in Dylan Smith being able to come off the bench and have a, his Jordan Mays moment. 
Um, but I do think that they're, uh, that Arizona has the right weapons to compete uh, with Virginia. Man, Jordan Mays is a name I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, he scored 15,000 points against Texas. I don't know if you recall. <laughs> <laughs> Ideal. Uh, do you, I, I, at least, at least in, in in some of my circles, the lore of his Texas game legitimately has it. He scored like twenty five points. I think it was twelve, maybe thirteen. But I think like, he had fifteen. I think he had fifteen. Was it, did it get up to fifteen? I'm always surprised think, by the number. I never know what it actually is because I'm legitimately convinced it was a, like a thirty five point game. Well, now I gotta look it up. Yeah, you gotta look it up. All right, while we look that up, uh, we're going to have to talk about some other teams here in this tournament. Um, we've, we've touched a little bit on UCLA, uh, but let's get straight to it with ASU because they're a pretty polarizing case. A lot of people think they should have been out. A lot of people when you, I mean, a lot of people are easy to point to the resume. They did beat two number one seeds on a non-home floor, one of which at Fog Allen. And the Kansas Circle Jerk was always going to get them in the tournament, if you ask me. Uh, not to mention the fact that the Xavier win is probably even better than the Kansas win, uh, or at least in the same in the same playing field. But um, one thing that I really hate hearing from people that think that ASU shouldn't have been in the tournament is they talk about conference record in the last 10 games, two things which I think anyone who's really into this sport knows have absolutely no bearance on the committee, at least officially. Uh, where do you guys feel about ASU getting in as the... 67th team in the field? Is that right? I, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have strong feelings about it. Uh, I actually did kind of, I know, I know Cody's a big Hurley family fan. I really liked the, the, the Dan Hurley moment of him kind of breaking down. I think it may have been tears. I, let's just call it that. Uh, when his brother uh, made it in uh, or squeaked in. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think ASU right now is a threat to do anything in this tournament. Not that anybody was going to have them cutting down nets, um, but they just have not been good for a long while now. Um, I wrote a little bit about it a week or so ago that ASU is just exhausted that Trey Holder just couldn't hold up for the whole season at his size and how hard he plays. Um, and similarly, Shannon Evans, like they're just their 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 output has just not held up. And so for now, them to be on. Another short-ish week. Um, they didn't get a full week's rest. Um, I guess it'll be come to one week. Um, you know, do they have a shot against Syracuse? They've got the shooters. We know that. Um, quick aside, I have to mention this. I'm in a park, and I just saw one pigeon standing on another pigeon's head. Does that mean anything for ASU? Is there anything that we can derive from that? Mm. It was strange. It was a strange sight. I um, mean, it's madness. Any, it, it's any, what? Anything can happen. The laws of balance and physics oh, don't apply here. That's good. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. That's actually really well done. Um, anyhow, can, to that point, can they're they be, playing in. Sorry, can they're they be, playing in to play who? TCU. So can they beat TCU? TCU. I mean, TCU is a... Uh, Classic example of a we know they're good their their team has no history so we're gonna we're gonna automatically undervalue them because they're TCU and not a more prestigious name. Right. Well, we also know that Bobby Hurley's team has I think it's what one weekend sweep in his time in Tempe and 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 for them to win Wednesday Friday 
uh, is going to be is a tall task for him over the course of the entire season. But now the big bright lights of the NCAA tournament, I think it's even that much more difficult. If I'm an ASU fan, I'm quick to point out that he's undefeated against teams outside of the Pac-12 this year. Say one more time. Which is largely pointless, but it's good hyperbole. Uh, ASU has never lost to a team outside of the Conference of Champions. So they probably are going to be screwed when they meet UCLA in the Final Four. That's the only way to take it. Yeah, that's really the only way I see Arizona State getting out of... um, Well, I mean, we know they have talent. We know they have the ability to get hot. But there's just no reason to believe they're going to do that. Even in the first game, let alone both of them. Uh, and then you got Michigan Tony, State waiting. There's no, there's no way they make it to the regional. I'll say that right now. No, I don't even, I don't barely, I don't even know if they're going to beat Syracuse. Cody, I want you, I want, I feel, I feel like you're about to ride with Bobby and the Devils. So, my my instinct for liking Bobby Hurley wants me to say that they're going to lose to Michigan State. After beating Syracuse and TCU. Nice. The smart part of me thinks that they lose to TCU. Um, I, I think that they have a good offense that is going to be able to attack Syracuse's zone pretty well. Um, they shoot a lot of threes, which is you know pretty much how you beat zones. Shoot over with. that. Romello White crashing the glass. So I, I think they're I think they're a bad matchup for Syracuse. Um, I, I, I look forward to seeing them play TCU. Um, I think TCU is probably going to be the better team. Um, but I mean, we they didn't play well against Colorado, so it really just depends on which team shows up. If the team shows up that has something to prove, then sure, you know they they get get to TCU, maybe get to Michigan State. But if the team that played Colorado shows up, Syracuse is. Moving on. I'm going to go ahead and be a homer here, for a conference homer, not an Arizona homer, and say they get by Syracuse and then lose to TCU. But I'll tell you what I really want is I want ASUbench2.meme to exist, and I want it to be a really heartbreaking way they go out. Um, like maybe a game-winning three that just gets off the guy's fingertips too late. Uh, that would be good. Um just, just so, pondering so ways one, that they can get out in the most devastating fashion possible. It, in in the highliest of unlikely scenarios, um, there is a potential Sweet 16 matchup between the Hurley brothers. As Rhode Island is in the bottom part of, part of that little pod bracket uh, playing Oklahoma with Duke and Iona. I don't hate Rhode Island's shot of getting out of there. I think Duke's a little more vulnerable than they've been getting credit for. And, um, you know, we've seen them lose as a two before. In the first yeah. round, not to mention the second round. <laughs> um, I like, actually like Oklahoma there. Um, I think, uh, you know, they, they've been playing a little bit better recently. They had that big stretch where they were a complete dumpster fire for a while. But they've been playing better recently. Um, I like... Uh, Trey Young's ability to attack. You know, everyone talks about Trey Young. No one really talks about anyone else. But uh, in the tournament is where guys like Trey Young shine. You got a guy who can go off for 30 or 40 points. You're advancing. Um, let's move on to UCLA because we have not too much time left. And I think they're a much more interesting case than Arizona State. 
Um, they're going to play St. Bonaventure, which I'm not going to say rolling over the Bonnies is easy, but I think many in Westwood would enjoy, enjoy that matchup. And then Florida's not a particularly sexy six seed, although a few six seeds are. Um, you know, we talk about Justin Holiday's playing out of his mind. This is his last chance. He's probably not going to be playing professional basketball in the United States. So maybe he goes on a big vendetta. Um, how do you guys feel about the Bruins? And what's their ceiling? What's their floor? Well, I'll say their floor is they lose to St. Bonaventure. But what do you guys think is realistically their, their, their outcome here? I'm going to stop you and say that I'm a little offended that you don't think Aaron Holiday is going to make an NBA roster. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I – yeah. And you called him Justin. I did. But that's okay. There's been so many holidays in this conference <laughs> all over so the true. place. Um, Who was it? So, someone the other day was asking me whether I would take the Holiday Brothers or the Ball Brothers. And oh my God! Would, you know, Holiday Brothers would win ninety-nine games out of ninety-nine. Wait, but that they makes play the hundredth game. That's not fair, though, because you talk about the Holiday Brothers now versus the Ball Brothers now. In, in anything. All of them at <laughs> yeah. All of them at NBA level. Well, the balls. Well. Would, the balls would win at retweets, but that's about it. Maybe I don't know. Um, I, I like this is hard for me because I I like St. Bonaventure's a lot more than I like UCLA in this game. But Aaron Holiday is such a hard player to root against just because you saw what he did um, even against Arizona. You know Parker kind of shut him down a little bit, but he was still keeping them in the game, making sure that you know they were doing everything up until that overtime period. Adam, what do you think about the Bruins? I, like, I just can't get over Steve Alford's quote from a couple weeks ago that said, you know, we, we that like, basically just saying we're fine at 19 and 10 is whatever they were at the time. Like, it's UCLA. Like, this kind of a season is not only unexpected, it's not acceptable. Uh, but they seem to be just fine with it. Uh, maybe this, them getting into the tournament keeps them there for a little bit longer. But, I mean, to have Aaron Holiday, who is – as we just said, a fringe, um, a fringe NBA player, Thomas Welsh, who's absolutely in my mind an NBA player, um, and and you know between hands, Wilkes, etc. Like maybe maybe the China thing helped like hurt them more than we'll ever really know. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm just kind of disappointed. Um, I said also as an Arizona fan, don't care. Um, <laughs> and, and like in in. Usually getting into the tournament makes sense because I do think that they're still a better team. They swept USC, um, so if there was a there was a cap on Pac-12 teams. There you met it. But um, I'm with you, Cody. Like I really do like Aaron Holiday and upperclassmen guards that can play the way he does um, can keep you in tournament games uh, a lot longer than than most teams I think are comfortable. All right. I'll go, I'll go. I'll go with UCLA losing to Florida. Okay. Um, hey, I'm, I'll keep the homer train going. They beat Florida. They can lose to Texas Tech. Although, damn, that gets, that's a little juicy. Although Texas Tech, another classic example of great team that is not going to get the credit they deserve because they're Texas Tech. Uh, they're, they're a solid team. I thought they were a little overseeded. Um, they probably should have been more in the, the four range, but... Uh, you know they're they're a good team too. They're they're doing a lot of really great things there. 
Um, real quickly, let's talk about USC a little bit more. I just couldn't help but notice that I guess at 32, they are 34. They are the um, highest ranked major conference team ever, RPI-wise, ever left out of the tournament in the 68-team era. Um, here's a little bit of silver lining for a terrible Pac-12 season. One-seeded USC, second-seeded Utah, third-seeded Stanford, and third-seeded Oregon in the NIT. Um, also categorized in the don't care department, but um, you know you, you got you got to play these. And does that really mean that Utah was the next four out? I know that's not necessarily what, what happened here, but if Utah gets a, what, a two seed, that's what the NIT is, considers as you know the best teams available. So, I mean, if you look at it, you know, in a perspective of everyone involved, not just the NCAA committee, you know, someone at least had some respect for the Pac-12, whether the committee did or not. That's a very good silver lining. Nice spin there, guys. Well, I was a Cal fan once, and when we won the NIT, I really liked that. Uh, Granted, this is a big reason why I decided to go to the University of Arizona, so I wouldn't have to have that be my... um, my pinnacle. I say NIT wins often have have uh, converted to uh, NIT success. Like within a year or two, some like a, a lot of Sweet Sixteens happen from teams that win the NIT. Of course, Johnny Dawkins blew up all of those metrics when he was just the master of the NIT. Yeah, I was gonna say if I you were trying to tell me that NIT success usually leads to further NIT success, look at Stanford. No, it usually leads to NCAA tournament success, but Johnny Dawkins. never really quite pulled that one off. Well, I imagine USC and Stanford are going to take quite the drop-off after this year. Um, You know, Utah and Oregon, I'm not incredibly familiar with Utah's roster, but were there any really, really great upperclassmen that we were seniors there? David Collette's leaving. Um, That's a loss. I mean, some people, some – some folks on the hot take wagon think Oregon's going to be a top five team next year. Uh, I'm not immediately convinced, but I'm not not convinced that well, they'll how be many, really, really good. They got Bull Bull and like two other five stars? Yeah, and it just depends on who leaves, but they've got some nice... I mean, they're always pretty competitive. I was a little surprised they weren't more competitive this season. All right, gentlemen. They were, they were, um, they were just too inconsistent, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And again, uh, no one... I mean. We'll end on this real quick as as to why the Pac-12 is in the state that it's in. And, um, you know, it's really tough with the format that both college basketball and football have where you play, you mostly play all of your non-conference early in the season. And if you don't perform very well in that non-conference, it creates a ripple effect in the rest of the year. that's um, really hard to dig yourself out of, especially when the one team that did perform really well now takes on a ton of bad losses. Um, but I mean, you kind of saw it in football this year in the Pac-12 where not a very great non-con and it kind of just cast a shadow on the conference the rest of the season. Is that what we saw this year? Well, so one thing that I think when we talk about what the committee cares about and what they look at, you know, you know, they don't, they don't technically look at your last 10 games. They don't technically look at your conference record. They're instructed but, not to either one of those things, and I think that's that makes yeah. sense. Because if if, you, if you're, See, I think it, I think it doesn't make sense. I think it makes 
the opposite of sense. But if you're Nebraska and you went something like 13 and five in the Big Ten, but you didn't beat Michigan State, and you didn't beat Michigan. I mean, they might have beat Michigan once, but if you didn't beat any of the big dogs, then like, what does that 13 and five even mean? I mean, it means you swept Iowa. Um, like, so conference record shouldn't really mean much. It, it it shouldn't mean anything if you don't have the big wins to go with it. Well, so that's fine, but when you look at a team like, so th- this is the classic. And I guess that's why USC shouldn't have been in either because they went had a good record in a bad conference when they didn't knock off any of the big dogs. Well, when you look at USC as a whole, you know they didn't knock off big dogs. They 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 finished second in the conference. You know they may not have beat Arizona or beat UCLA or ASU. Given, I'll, I'll give you that. Tough luck but, they didn't get to play those schools at home. With the exception. Well, and and when you look at them coming into the season, they were a completely different team that practiced um, pretty much up until their first game. You know, they didn't realize and think until like two or three days before the season started that DFT Melton was going to be ineligible. Yeah. So, you know, they struggled early on trying to find their identity without a person who they thought was going to be someone who would play 30, 35 minutes for them. And, you know, you take it, you take a team like Arizona last year for 16 games without Alonzo Trier, you know, there were some ups and downs. There were some thumps there. But, you know, 19 you and, those... weren't they 17 and 2? Yeah, those two games. <laughs> including, including a lot of kids. You're not wrong. But, so, so, I get it, but there's a lot of teams that are still trying to find out who they are at the beginning of the season. And I don't think you should take you know, some losses in the non-conference against them, you know, where they may not be the team they were at the end of the season. USC was a damn good team at the end of the season. And I would be willing to bet you cold, hard cash, they would beat ASU, you know, in a three-game series you right know, now on a court. I firmly believe in back-to-the-future-slash-butterfly-effect rules, but it is, for the sake of March hyperbole, Let's just consider that the full court heave at Palo Alto to win the game pretty much bounced them out of the tournament. When Stanford hit a half-court shot down two at the buzzer. Tough draw. Uh, Last question today. How many teams are still playing basketball in the Pac-12 at this time next week? And that's kind of a trick question, but let's let's see what you guys got. One. Arizona and USC. I'll go with two. Oh, I didn't realize we were taking NIT. Trick question. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think the Pac-12 will do well in the NIT. I don't see any reason not to. I, I don't think that they're as bad a conference as everyone made them out to be. Yeah, well, there is motivation issues in the NIT sometimes. But either way... Um, Let's not take this loss too hard on the conference because we do have the most glorious four-day stretch at any point in the calendar year, sports-wise. Um, I'll be in South Lake Tahoe spending pretty much the entire weekend in the Hard Rock Casino Sportsbook, so wish me luck. Uh, real excited, and hopefully we'll have a pod to talk about next week with some teams still playing in the big dance, that is. I will be sitting at home, hot-taking everything from my couch. Follow Cody on Twitter. And I'm going to be in San Diego. Follow. I'm planning on going there for the games, just full 
full disclosure. I was going there to hang out and watch. It's a lovely place. All right, gentlemen. Uh, hopefully this time right. next week we'll have something new to talk about. Happy March. Enjoy. <laughs>